0: to episode 187 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is... As always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental, you can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson. Look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again. A special guest today. He's been on the show, a friend of the show, but we're doing things a little bit differently today. We are joined by none other than KSR Zach Gagan, recruiting expert. He has been boots on the ground uh, at various events this spring, and we wanted to come together for uh, a recruiting-specific episode where we broke down, did some scouting reports, talked about these kids' games that we've been seeing on the trail. We're going to start with Zach, who was with me at, uh, in Indianapolis, watching the Nike EYBL Session 2, Zach Gagan, How you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Jack. Thank you for that lengthy intro. I feel like last time I was on, we, you didn't have the nice sponsor at the very top of the show. Well, it, sounds, the, it sounds like we're, you're progressing the bills must be paid somehow and sure. and
0: justice dental is is the way to make that happen and justice dental is phenomenal in every form and facet of the planet earth so you get some uh, uh, i cannot disclose the deals of the the, the details of my deal with justice dental but i will say that my teeth are looking mighty fresh anyway
1: well there
0: you go. We're going to we're going to start the show talking about the Nike EYBL all of the Kentucky targets, uh, you know, there, because there are so many, Zach, I I want to make sure that we make it clear that we're only gonna talk about the 2023 kids today. We'll talk about the 24s at a future date, but just because there's so many we have to get through, Zach, I I just don't think it's fair to, it wouldn't do the show justice if we just kind of skimmed through every kid and and got through all the 24s as well. So I wanna be able to just kind of focus on the 23s today, uh, talk about what we liked what we didn't like kids that you know need improvement who the Kentucky coaches were going after who they were focusing on more uh more so than others uh, I think all that stuff is very intriguing and things that uh that the fans would like to know so obviously the big story of the eybl season is none other than DJ Wagner it is a constant circus with his recruitment all eyes are on him is he going to Kentucky is he going to Louisville uh he's a guy that, I have been on this show. I've been a little little critical of of his game. I thought he was closer to number 10 in the rankings than he was closer to number one this past year. We got to see him together at the uh, Hoop Hall Classic, where he did not put forth a very impressive performance. Very inefficient, kind of clunky jump shot. Very, you know, a lot of hitches. Just a... uh, n- very inconsistent in terms of a, uh, of a pure shooter got to his spots well but didn't make the shots when they counted wasn't able to finish through contact you know very shifty and and, and does a great job in a bunch of different areas and and uh, you know, I like how crafty he is around the basket but uh, there were a lot of, uh, of concerns about his game long term I will say that he has completely flipped that narrative going into the EYBL season to start this. Through two sessions, he is leading the event, uh, averaging 21.3 points per contest, also top 10 in assists at 5.1 per game, uh, and steals at 2.0 per game. For that. That's third overall in the EYBL uh, circuit. So um, what do you like about DJ Wagner? What, what has impressed you so far uh, about
1: DJ to open up this this spring? Well, to piggyback kind of off what you were saying i kind of agree with uh, you know his hoop hall showing was not particularly you know number one worthy or what we were expecting necessarily uh but then obviously the the eybl has kind of the whole narrative has changed and i don't know he's pretty much kind of playing with the same team too you know with Bradshaw and uh, uh mackenzie and Baco still on his same uh EYBL team as well so it was just interesting to see him kind of come out and maybe play, even play a facilitator a little bit more up in indy when we got to see him uh i've said this before to you and don't twist my words but the way he like you were talking his shiftiness gives me some ja morant type vibes when the guy's getting in the lane like he just knows he finds a way to scoot around his defender and just get up layups that probably you know most guys shouldn't uh and he but he also at the same time kind of has the same issues where ja does of the physicality and you know being able to just, Get bumped off uh, when they're kind of going up for those shots. But the kid is, you know, he's a really kind of an underrated defender. It seems like he's actually really solid on that end, especially in passing lanes. The kid uh, can sneak by and and snatch anything out of the air, it seems. But uh, in transition, he's good too. Um, Like I said, he was really facilitating the ball. His scoring, he can pretty much score from anywhere on the floor. Uh, It was just a matter of kind of those shots falling as of from, you know, from Indy compared to, to who Paul? So, I guess what was that? Four months mm-hmm. or something like that? So, really, the difference you know, he was kind of the same player. He was just hitting shots. And then he kind of got in this mindset of, well, I'm just going to let everyone else get theirs first. Then I'm going to go in on me uh, and get mine. So, he looked really good. He looked like the number one player in the country when we saw him. The, the second yeah, i I think there's
0: some pretty significant and clear growth uh, in confidence. I think the pressure that has kind of been on him for a long time, just with this recruitment and being number one for so long, I think it did kind of weigh on him heavily. And I think there was a chip on his shoulder going into the spring. Like, okay, uh, the doubters are starting to creep in. People are wanting to knock me off my top spot. Uh, they He was knocked off his top spot. He, he got moved down in most of the, the, national rankings across the board so uh, i think there was kind of a uh you know a chippiness to him and and you know behind the scenes there was a little bit of chippiness physically as well and and we don't need to get into de- details of that but uh he showed he showed some fight he showed that he is you sure know did. wanting to he wanting to wanting to back up number one status uh, at that and I just love his greatness. I love uh, that he was able to show off his, his abilities as a facilitator I think he was phenomenal as. Uh, and I think he's filling out quite a bit too you know he's still listed at 165 he's been listed at 160 165 for the past year But you can't tell me the kid that we saw at hoop hall that was struggling to finish through any and all contact is the same kid that we saw, you know, kind of filling out in the biceps and shoulders, kind of widening a little bit. You can you can see he's getting something to him uh, on that area, and I think that was one of his biggest weaknesses going into it. So uh, great to see that he's growing in that area as well. Uh, He's you know still struggles to finish through strong contact and length, and, and I do you know have some concerns about how that would translate to the SEC level, but. That in terms of being a shot maker, his mechanics have have vastly improved. Uh, you, you, you know, watch the in depth film of these first two sessions, and it's night and day from what we saw uh, his junior year at Camden. Uh, yeah, you go down the list. You, you pointed out his def- uh, his defense. I really like what he what he showed there. Uh, especially in Indianapolis this past weekend, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good there, and, and I think he kind of proved his doubters wrong that yeah that, that he is at the top of the list, and I, I do think that uh, I, I think the argument is at least over for uh, a, at least a little while. I do think that he is going to be uh, number one in these updated rankings for sure. So um, shout out to, to DJ and uh, well done to uh, you know shut up the haters there for a little while.
1: Well, and I also think you're you're probably a little right about you know, he's, he probably did coast a little bit, you know, maybe going into the hoop hall uh, event, you know, cause he's been number one for how long now, at least two years. So maybe mm-hmm. there was a little oh, bit yeah. of, you know, just like, well, I'm, I'm the best player in the country. You know, everyone's known it. They've known it for a long time. Then, you know, he didn't have his best showing at hoop hall and maybe that kind of woke him up a little bit and said, all right, well, let's, you know, let's kind of get things together here and, and really show everyone that I, I am the number one player in the country. So I think there's uh, some truth to that part there.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it it's you know, I appreciate the way he's kind of handling the the pressure on that end and, and just kind of letting his play do the talking on on the basketball court. So, uh, in, in that end, um, you know, I I think he's firmly back at the top of that list. Let's keep going down the list. We're going to go through the official rankings, not necessarily the way we see the the players ranked, but we're just going to go down the the consensus rankings and and uh, you know, kind of go player by player uh, on that front. KJ Evans is a very polarizing prospect at 6'10", 190 pounds playing for Team Durant. Uh, One of Kentucky's biggest front court targets, wing, uh, whatever position you want to call him. That's kind of one of the issues with him right now. Don't really know what he is. Um, But yeah, it's. Kentucky it's Oregon uh, you know there are a couple other schools that are trying to sneak in there but it really feels like it's Oregon's to lose with Kentucky really fighting uh, at, at the top of that list as well he we talked to him after the last day uh, of the event, and he said that Kentucky is leading the charge in terms of schools that are reaching out to him contact wise. But uh, he did admit that the NIL at Oregon is something that is uh, very clearly keeping him intrigued. So keep that in mind uh, as we you know talk through his recruitment in the in the coming weeks and, and months. That that is uh, at the top of his priority list uh, on that end. But KJ is you know a guy that he is definitely perimeter perimeter oriented. Zach. Uh, he is, you know, a little bit of uh, too inconsistent for my liking as a jump shooter, but the mechanics are clearly there. He, at the end of the day, wants to be Chris Bosh. He wants to be a stretch four at the college level. And then when his body fills out and, you know, his frame fills out, uh, he, he wants to end up being a three. He said that he compares his game to Jason Tatum and, uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, at that, at that next level that he, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and was it Brandon Ingram was the third name he, he brought up. I think those, that, those type of players, those long rangy kind of wings are the uh, best wings in the entire world. Pretty much. That's what, that's what he wants to be at the end of the day. Uh, do you buy it, Zach? I think that's the best way to put it. Do you think that he, a is a wing B, what do you
1: think of his ranking as the number two overall prospect in that, in that consensus? Uh, I don't see him being a three uh, unless he trims down his body a little. It's not that he's big or any or too big, but uh, he's just. I don't think he's mobile enough to be a, a, or quick enough to be a, an effective three at like the NBA level. Now the stretch four is where I really see him, uh, you know, really hitting his stride. And he's a guy that I've been really high on over the last year, really. Uh, and I remember watching him at the Geico Nationals at the, on that loaded Montverde team where they won it. And, you know, he came in and he was a bench guy uh, as a five-star, which is crazy, but he was playing, you know, behind five seniors who were also five stars who were all going to play D1 power five basketball next year. So his role wasn't, you know, to come in and dominate. It was to come in and fill in the cracks. And he did a really good job of that. Uh, And a lot of, I feel feel like his ranking right now, his, what is he? So he's two right now, or at least Mm -hmm. we have him as two. Uh, A lot of that ranking is built off the idea that, once he gets on this Montverde team and he is the star, you know, he's the go-to guy and he can really put it all together. And we kind of got a first taste of that with uh, the team Durant, because he's clearly the best player on that team or the highest rated player, at least. And, uh, his impact was, you know, I think you mentioned inconsistency was part of it. He's just sometimes he wasn't really active going for rebounds either, which I thought was weird for a guy that's six, nine. And as big as he is, that he should be wanting to go in there. Uh, That's where I think, you know, wanting to be a three, but maybe not being a three could potentially hurt him and just his mindset and how he approaches the game. But he's got a great, like, I think you even mentioned as well, he's got a great feel. He's got a really smooth jump shot. Uh, He's good enough to, you know, get to his spots and things like that. Uh, But it's just a a lot of it is, you know, consistent, consistently impacting a game at a high level. And uh, I think, you know, it's, it's probably fair to give him some time to adapt to that maybe, know see how he progresses in that area and maybe when we go to uh when we hopefully go to louisville here in a couple weeks to watch them again uh see if if he's been able to kind of grow into that role a little bit more because that's really just what it is, is he's just not aggressive enough uh getting to you know trying to get his shots and his defense is decent but you know nothing nothing about him at that event really stood out about him and i kind of came away a little less impressed than i had normally been uh, when I was watching him. So I think he's a guy that I'm going to just continue to watch over the next coming months and see if he's really capable of uh, taking over. And then we'll obviously watch him at Montverde and see if uh, he can do that, take over, because he just hasn't done it yet.
0: Yeah. The idea of KJ Evans is way better than the actual KJ Evans. I mean, he shot three of 17. He shot three of 17 from three to open up uh, the EYBL season. Uh, He averages 4.7 boards per game as their premier kind of four man right now, which just is not good enough. If you're terrible, terrible. he lives on the perimeter. He, you know, kind of jacks up jump shots and not consistent enough to be doing that. He doesn't know what position he is right now. Again, you said he has a great feel for the game. Uh, He's kind of one of those grab a rebound and go type guys, you know, comfortable with the ball in his hands. uh, Again, you you see the flashes and you see the potential and that makes you go, ah, that right there is why he's ranked so highly. but that is two, three, four times a game as opposed to, you know, 20 possessions, 30 possessions. It's like that you, you can't you you can't rank a guy that high and keep him there on the idea of him being good one day at some point, you got to kind of call a spade a spade and say, he's just not producing the way he needs to right now. This was a very important, uh, grassroots season for him. Very important summer to show who he is and what he is. You know, I I think the idea of him is, is fantastic. I think he could be a star down the road. He has the physical makeup and, and the, the tools to do that. But, uh, the the production just leaves so much to be desired that it it it, it I really struggle uh, behind the idea of him being even you know in the top five. I think he's easily closer to top ten, maybe even push him down into the fifteen ish range. It's a very weak class in general, so uh, you kind of got to take a shot on a guy like that who you hope is good one day, but uh, uh, until that day comes, I, I just would not be comfortable uh, putting him you know where he is right now, number two especially. I mean that's just that's just clearly uh off uh, off
1: you know just a little bit so um, i I I do think that the potential is like i i I genuinely do think that he still has the chance to be you know like i don't know necessarily an all-star level player but he's got he's a tool guy like he's got all the tools he's six nine he can dribble he can shoot uh so that's exactly what nba teams are looking for right now so i think he has like a clear path to get there but like we've just repeated a hundred times it's all about putting it all together and he hasn't done it yet
0: Robert Dillingham is a uh, very interesting, interesting one. A very interesting player. Uh we, we were talking about how DJ's kind of filled out, listed at that kind of six two, hundred and sixty-five pounds. Somebody who has not filled out. Robert Dillingham, 6'1, one, a, a buck 60, maybe. I think that he's probably closer to 150. There is nothing to that kid, but Bucket. He getter. is a bucket getter. He is slithery. He is as as fun and entertaining of a player to watch in that class as you will find uh he is a, he is nothing but entertainment from the minute the uh, tip, uh, the opening tip happens to the final buzzer um and the, the you know the 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 production is showing he went 5 of 5 of 9 from 3 um this past uh, event that we saw him um 62.5% from two throughout the whole EYBL, uh, averaging 3.5 assists on just 1.8 turnovers per game, which for how kind of dazzling he is and kind of b- dancey he is, 1.8 assists per, per game ain't that bad. Like, I mean, there's uh, – for a guy turnovers like that
1: – really what impresses me, that it's only 1.8 turnovers for a guy. Like- of,
0: you expect him to be a 4-5 turnover type guy per game, but he's pretty – careful with the ball he's pretty safe and and uh, he might you know get make john calipari have an aneurysm watching him play every once in a while because he is shot selection is errant he makes some weird decisions at times and just a, a very uh enthusiastic all over the place basketball player that i it's he's a treat to watch i i really really enjoy watching him play um how will that translate to the next level at a place like Kentucky? Will he be, I think he'd, he'd firmly be able to, to embrace that spotlight. I mean, it's kind of who he's been his whole, uh, you know, his whole high school career, but just the, the physical aspect of things, his size, there are some concerns there. He, you know, finished through contact fairly well uh, this, this past weekend in particular, and, and that's never been a real issue for him. Uh, but I don't know. It's he, he's a very polarizing player. For better or for worse, Rob Dillingham is one of one.
1: Yeah. He is very microwavy. Yeah. It's you know, five straight possessions, he could get four, he could go four out of five from deep. And in the next five possessions, he's going to shoot three air balls. Like it's it's very, it's very much a you know, pick your poison type or not pick your poison, I guess, but uh selective scoring with him. Uh, type deal so and the 1.8 turnovers really like that was something I remember when we were looking at stats when we first uh, got back or one of the things I noticed was that that number just seemed low because of how often he pushes the ball and and tries to you know not necessarily force the issue but he does take some bad shots and things so I guess part of you know the low turnovers is he's just not really passing the ball so maybe he doesn't have the opportunity to uh, turn the ball over but uh, I remember the game I watched specifically was the game where he went five for nine for three or whatever it was. And I think he hit three three of them in a row and it was like just maybe in three <laughs> and four possessions or something. And I was like, oh my God, like you could see the vision with this kid because he can shoot and score from anywhere, which is, you know, he's not that big, but he can still get into the paint and he's gonna find a way to get a shot off uh, not in the same way that Dj does where it's kind of like, wiggly and, and, and tries to like shift everyone like he's just going to rise up and just try and and chuck the ball up somehow some way and a lot of times it goes in so like you said 62 percent on twos is really good uh so he's actually uh moderately efficient i think his, his three-point percentage uh wasn't that great throughout the entire week and i think i only saw his his one good uh three-point shooting game but you have that option of like well this kid can go off and you know he can pop off for 30 points but you know is that is that something like you said cal can have an aneurysm he's going to make half the fan base have an aneurysm you know if he shoots two straight threes on back-to-back possessions and he you know bricks the first one and then barely hits the rim on the second so and i can see those sort of situations happening that's why i think he's he's probably better fitted at a place like nc state which he you know obviously left so uh i don't know how much i would uh like him on calipari's team because I do think he would drive a lot of people crazy, but you're going to have situations where the kid will pop off for 20 points and probably win a couple games just by himself because he can score it ways that others can't. And defense, yeah. I'm really sure he has much there either, so that's that would be an issue for Cal. But
0: I will say, John Calipari was front and center every one of his games and has been from the the first live period on. So there's clear interest. Cal likes him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. um and i i don't think that they are complementary pieces everybody i've talked to about dj and robert dillingham about potentially playing together they're just two ball dominant guards flashy type styles of play one is a safer bet indeed dj is the uh you know safety net player robert dillingham is the kind of malik monk type guy you know a guy that could go for 49 points in any given night or could go, uh, you know, eight points on four of 20 shooting, you know, just kind of one of those in between, you never know what you're going to get with Robert Dillingham. So I understand there's a clear and beyond just the, you know, the politics and stuff of, of, of the DJ Wagner recruitment and, you know, the family ties and all that stuff, just in terms of the two players, DJ feels infinitely more like a John Calipari point guard than a, than Robert Dillingham. Right. Although I would just love to see how in the hell John Calipari would coach Robert Dillingham. It just feels like two complete personality clashing individuals that, you know, in terms of playing style and safe, you know, kind of safe bet type guys. It just feels very anti Calipari, but it almost adds intrigue to the whole thing where you go, you know, m- m- why is Cal so interested in a guy like that? If he knows he's just a, uh, such a personality difference, but you know, Cal's interested. He's been there every game. So what do I know?
1: And I mean, yeah, maybe I'm misre- misrepresenting how it, you know, kind of all unfolded with Derek Rose's high school career. But I mean, I wouldn't say those, those two guys are too far off in terms of, you know, their sporadic scoring capabilities. And obviously Derek Rose wasn't as good as a three point shooter as Dillingham is, but uh, you know, Derek Rose was not a guy that I've, I don't think many people will. Well, I guess he had the John wall thing. So I don't know what I'm saying here, but I'm trying to, you know, Reason why Calipari would go after a guy like that because honestly, like I don't think there's much of a, a precedent for him for going after a guy like him. Derrick Rose is maybe the closest guy I could think of.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the, the production's there. I mean, it, it just he as as much as you'd think that he would raise Cal's blood pressure, he continues to consistently get buckets and play. You know, t- take care of the ball. You know, his shot selection might not be the prettiest at times, but he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, and he gets buckets. So, yep. you know, it, it as much as you might not like his style of play or the way he plays or it might make you uncomfortable, Luke continues to get buckets and do things that way. So, you know, I, 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 there's clearly a reason that Cal likes him. Let's keep moving down this list. Ron Holland, who just put out a top eight list, the only school on his list to not extend an offer for reasons. Who the hell knows? Uh, John Calipari is in, in Kentucky is included in that top eight. Um, very interesting player in, in terms of pro potential. I think Ron Holland is clearly the best in the class in that wing forward group. He's physically all there. You know, 210 ish pounds. Uh, clearly has a, a body to work with in college and definitely moving forward in the NBA. Um, you know, he was, played some. Pretty inconsistent basketball to start the EYBL season. He's averaging 11.3 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 2.1 assists per game. Uh, not living up to that kind of number one, you know, number two, number three billing uh, that, you know, some of these other services are starting to jump him up. I think on three actually jumped, moved him all the way up to number three uh, behind G. Jackson. So, uh, I I think that was kind of a a potential move, hoping that he was going to turn that you know kind of potential into production. He hasn't quite done that yet. Again, you get flashes, more consistent flashes than you get out of KJ Evans. Um, pretty consistently every game, you'll get a you you'll get a, a stretch of four or five possessions with Ron Holland where you go, okay, that kid's a pro. Like that kid's a clear pro, finishing through contact. Very strong, athletic, knocking down jump shots, you know, kind of a a grab and go, grab a rebound, bring it up the, you know, coast to coast type threat. Uh, Really impressive in that regard. Um, he was he's known like you, you you look up his stats and you look up, you know, scouting reports and all that stuff. Everybody talks about his motor like he has a second to none motor, the best motor in the class. I thought that was kind of one of his biggest weak spots just this past weekend. I don't know what it was about this weekend, uh, but that was clearly not the case. So, you know, kind of took some plays off and just wasn't a. Uh, an initiator as much as you'd kind of hope for him to be and what he can be. And again, he, he dealt with some injury issues and, you know, they had some leg problems and uh, you could just tell he just was not comfortable in that setting this, this, that, that weekend in particular, but uh, there's a lot to like about Ron Holland, but I definitely need more viewings out of him before I Kind of go all aboard the you know number two player, number potentially number one player in the class train. Uh, Still offer worthy, clearly offer worthy. I I think that he, uh, I still don't understand what the delay is on on Kentucky's end to extend that offer, but uh, I definitely think that he he, he's worthy. He's very interested in Kentucky. He told me that he was uh, wanting to schedule a visit whenever Kentucky wanted to, you know, kind of take that next step with him. Whenever
1: it could be today, that that would take a, a. Of flight today to Lexington, if they if they said to,
0: yeah, I mean that he he specifically went out of his way to say I I love Cal, I love Kentucky, I want to go there, Uh, but you know, and and you you hear some stuff, you hear rumblings that there might be, uh, you know, interest in money and want, you know, he might go pro. There's some talk about that, and and there was some talk about it being a judgment call on Jay Lucas's end that he kind of saw the handout maybe and said, you know, that's not something that we want to vibe with, but. You know, I, I don't know. They were still sitting there courtside watching every single game. And he made uh, his final eight list and said that Chen Coleman has taken over. His recruitment and is talking to him almost every day now. So clearly there's something that it's, it's one of those things that that I said on the show in the past, it's one of those, you either like this kid or you don't, if you like him, it's way too late for an offer at this point. You needed to offer three, four months ago if you, if you were really serious about this kid. This whole kind of play wait and see game right now with a kid that's you know could potentially commit in just a couple months makes no sense to me. It's one of those if you're gonna make that judgment call that he has a handout and he is you know either he's gonna go straight to the pros or he's looking for the biggest offer from you know in terms of cash whatever. If that's the case, then you cut ties and say sorry, this isn't a fit. You know, move on but they made his final eight and they continue to ramp up contact. So it's one of those things like, are, are you really interested in this kid? Or are you not? If so, you, we got to make a move either way there. You can't stay in this middle ground, kind of keeping the situation warm, all that stuff. Cause then you have no chance of getting him regardless. And if that's the case, all these recruiting efforts are, are pointless. So uh, it, it kind of frustrating recruitment. Uh, he's probably the most frustrating recruitment out of all of them. I think.
1: Yeah. I just I, like, I'm sure there's, there's gotta be something going on behind the scenes because just on the surface, it makes very little sense at all why Kentucky would go through this whole circus act pretty much to, you know, not offer this kid, even though he clearly, very clearly wants to at least go to Kentucky and check it out. And I'm sure the kid, it's, he also sounds like he wants a visit or uh, an offer like as much as he can. So, um, but I think when we watched him, he got injured in maybe the second or third game where he kind of landed awkwardly on his leg. Uh, but even before that, when we saw him when we got to play, you, like you were saying, some of the the effort or his motor wasn't, you know, wasn't go, go, go. Like, I guess maybe we were expecting. Uh, he's incredible. He's really aggressive when he gets the ball and like mm-hmm. is like going downhill and stuff. The problem is I just felt like he didn't really want to get the ball all that often whenever he did. Uh, but like the guy is the most physically imposing you know, that's the biggest difference between him and KJ is Ron Holland is already built. Like he's ready for the NBA and that guy could actually play the three if he wanted to, because he's, he's lean enough that he can kind of shift his way around and beat other threes. uh Unlike the way I don't think KJ could. So, and Ron Holland could even play the four too, because he's got a decent, I think we even, we saw him knock down a couple outside jumpers. His, his shot is really good. I think he was actually really good from the free throw line too. I might've been wrong about that, but it was really just the lack of, you know, another another consistency type of thing where you just he was uh, i think they had another couple uh they had another four star on their team was that the uh, KJ Lewis your boy was he on that team too yes yes i love KJ Lewis Arizona so man, so he's got like some complimentary pieces but he you know he looked like he was kind of deferring to them a little bit more and you know KJ's not really a scoring uh, guy either so they were it was in an, like like you said too he's a guy that i want to uh, see a little bit more Uh, because I do you know I'll chalk some of it up to that injury that kind of maybe maybe it was an issue before he came in and just kind of it got aggravated at that one point maybe that's why some of those you know the uh, the overall motor wasn't what we were expecting but uh, he's a guy I'm not super high on I wasn't super high on him coming in uh, to watch him but uh, we'll see kind of where he goes and honestly I just want to like if you're Kentucky, there's no point in not just bringing him to campus at this point. I don't understand why you wouldn't just give him to campus and offer. I don't understand, Or, or don't, or just stop talking to him at all. Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand it. It's literally makes serious. Like there's gotta be something else going on. That's making all this weird. And it seems like, you know, the Jay Lucas thing didn't matter too much apparently. Cause I, I guaranteed Jay was his lead recruiter. And I think he even told us that. So that was, it's just all interesting to see how this is all kind of unfolding. Cause it's clear that Kentucky is not that interested. They're interested, but not that interested. Yeah. And he even
0: said that we were, that I, I said, are you planning a visit to Kentucky? And he said, yeah, uh, I'm planning on visiting in, I think, July, he said, or m- June or July. May, it might have been June. He said, yeah, I was, I'm planning on visiting in June. Well, if they want me to visit, of course. And it's like, like what's what's going what are we doing? It's <laughs> like, what are we doing? So uh, very frustrating case, very interested to see how he plays. Um, you know, he's saying all the right things, saying, you know, I just want to to, to earn a Cal, uh, an offer from Calipari. I want them, you know, I, I don't want to just get one for the sake of getting one. I want to earn one, but I don't care what he says publicly. I, playing that long game, let's bring him in to extend an offer and, you know, kind of showcase him and, and, you know, play that, I, I just don't think that's a winning situation for him. And I don't, I, I don't think that will, that uh, I don't think that's a winning play. I, if you're going to, if you want to get him, you got to offer him now and then bring him in and then keep showing why he's a priority in the class. Because right now he does not feel like he's a priority in the class. Arkansas has already established a very firm lead alongside UCLA. Other schools are kind of, you, you know, uh, you can, you can, you can, make up ground when you're Kentucky later than other schools, but it doesn't, it's not at the point anymore where you can come in at the 11th hour, extend an offer and expect to be the number one school in on, on his list anymore. That's just not how uh, kids view this program at at this point. Like it's just, that's just the fact of the matter. They uh, value these long-term relationships and trust and you know, kid, uh, the, the the coaches that saw them earlier than everybody else and took a chance on them before everybody else did, uh, they they think that they can get to the pros at wherever school they go to. They don't care if they go to Arkansas. They don't care if they go to, uh, shoot, Washington. It doesn't matter. They they think they can go to the pros at any school. They, it, it's easier to go at a place like Kentucky, but the difference isn't that substantial in their eyes right now, and uh, I think Ron Holland fits that billing as well.
1: Uh, Matos, to, be, to be fair, he still has Kentucky in his top eight. So,
0: no, and that's what I'm saying. little bit that you can make up ground, but even with an offer, I still don't think Kentucky jumps up to number one in his his recruitment. There's still a a ton right. of work to be done, even if they do extend an offer. Uh, I, I just think that you know there are sometimes that. Cal thinks he has a, a magic wand that as soon as he extends an offer, UK is now number one on this kid's list. And I just don't think that's the case for a guy like Ron Holland. I, I think that right. it, it would make them top three. I think UK might be top three as is just because he likes UK so much. But the long work that that Arkansas and UCLA have put in in this recruitment, uh, you know, just you go back two, three months. Ron Holland was saying in in, in interviews that uh yeah, John Calipari calls my parents, and I you know, I haven't heard much from them, but we'll see how it goes. And then the very next quote was about Arkansas, and he says, Oh, yeah, Eric Musselman calls me almost every single day. We have a great relationship, our relationship's growing and couldn't be better. And you know, was praising the level of contact. And then I asked, uh, w- what's going to be the deciding factor with you and your recruitment? And it was like, uh, yeah, family relationship, the trust factor. Where I think that I I'm going to a, you know a family atmosphere things like that and it's like okay well clearly he sees something uh, from some schools that he's not feeling because every quote that he says about Kentucky it's always like well yeah I like them but do they like me I really don't even know so uh, it's again right very again. frustrating if you if you like them offer them if you don't cut ties it's it's really not that complicated I don't think um, Matas Buzelis. Mm, Ron Holland might not be your favorite player, but I uh, can't say about Matas. I think that that might be your favorite. So let's uh, uh, go on your little soapbox. Why why do you like Matas so much?
1: I just think he has the NBA potential that you're looking for, and a you know a six nine point guard who can play on the wing. He's got a terrific jump shot. Uh, he's really long. Um, great passer, very underrated passer as well, can uh, flick left-handed passes, you know, the entire length of the court. And he's with his, he's a right-hander too. So the kid, he's, he's got a lot, a lot of tools on offense. Uh, Not good at rebounding. The defense will need work, but it's everything that he already brings on offense that makes him such a, a tantalizing prospect, if you will. And he's a guy that I think can immediately step in and be, you know, a, immediate contributor and a guy that you can probably type build your not necessarily build your entire team around or your roster around but you can centralize him as kind of like all right he's going to be the guy that has the ball in his hands and everybody else will feed off of him kind of you know go to, to go to the european to european uh luka doncic type uh feel there I'm obviously not the same player luke is much much bigger and that gives him a, a obviously a bigger advantage just in terms of scoring and defense and everything, but Montas can fill out. He's already, you know, he's got big broad shoulders, so he's going to be able to fill out as well. Um, but he's pretty quick right now. Um, he's good on the, in transition as well. When he's got his head up, the kid is really, really tough to stop. Um, like I said, the rebounding will, you know, do you want a six, nine point guard rebounding? Who really knows? Uh, or if they, if it even matters really that much, but the defense will be something that he'll have to improve on or else he can get picked on in that area. but i really, really like him as a uh, immediate contributor at the college level like a guy that could put up 15 a game pretty easily. yeah, i think
0: uh, he there's a lot to like about him. i think he's a little soft right now. i think you know his defense is a a major work in progress, but offensively he's so gifted he's a playmaker he's smooth and 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 comfortable with the ball in his hands uh you know you, you get these six ten point guards all the time and and you know are they really point guards or are they wings that are comfortable dribbling bring the ball up the floor you know jason tatum's of the world you know jason tatum's not a point guard but every <laughs> other brings the ball up the floor for the celtics so it's kind of one of those you know what, what are they really uh He's a dude that could potentially be that kind of guy. And and there's a lot of talk about Florida State. And you look at the way Leonard Hamilton was able to use Scotty Barnes, that kind of versatile wing, but brought the ball to the floor and really kind of facilitated and and initiated. That's who Matas is. Like, that's the kind of guy that he is. and, And that's what he's going to be at the college level. And that's why I think that there's so much talk with Florida state as kind of the firm leader in his recruitment right now, it's just a fit. Like it's a great fit. I, I do think Kentucky is, is kind of right there. They really like him. Um, yeah, I was actually talking to somebody around the program about Matos and there was just kind of this mindset when, when UK was going after Leonard Miller, I kind of said something in passing, like Leonard Miller is the guy that, uh, you, you know, people think Matos is, and they were kind of like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Leonard Miller is 19, 20 years old. Matos is like 17, super young for his age, growing, thin. They're like, I mean, there's a two-year difference between the two. Of course, Leonard Miller is a little bit better at this current. I mean, he's a freaking first-round draft pick right now. So, like, uh, when you you understand both situations, there's a lot to like about about Matos because he's so young, because he hasn't filled out yet, because he's already as advanced skill-wise as he is. Yes, he needs to fill out. Yes, he needs to get more physical. He is soft right now. He can't play defense. Like, there's a lot of a, a lot to not like about Matos, but there's way more to like. And I think that's where uh, why he's you know number eleven right now in that consensus, growing, uh, you know, kind of firmly solidifying himself as that that firm five star in the class. A lot to like about Matos, and I, I definitely think that he is a, a an instant impact guy in college. A lot to uh, to work on, but uh, plenty more to like about his game.
1: Yeah, his frame. I think that's something that will just you know it'll improve over time, as you know, as it typically does with guys like him. And the good thing about him is he already is six ten, and even if he's a bad defender now, when you're six ten, it's it can be, and you're quick, it can be tough to be a bad defender. Like he's going to be. I think eventually he he will even out as a just you know a solid defender. Which really, when you're that gifted on offense as he is, because for him, it's the, the positives far, far, far outweigh, you know, the fact that he's not that great on defense right now. And the fact that he weighs 180 pounds at six foot 10 or whatever it is. So just the potential he has on offense is it's very, it's modern. It's, you know, it's the new era type where I, like you were kind of saying, like, is he a Jason Tate like a quasi point forward type. I think the guy's a point guard straight up. Like I think he will play point guard in college I think he plays point guard the next level. Like, don't even stick him on the wing. You give that guy the ball, and you let him run your offense type guy. So I don't know if Cal, you know, I don't know if that's something that Cal would want to do, have a 6'10 guy running his offense. He's done it with 6'5 guys, so I don't see why not, you know, go even taller and just get a guy that's going to pretty much just break down defenses because he's, you know, so tall he can shoot and he can pass that well. I do think that he is better –
0: sharing the ball with DJ Wagner than Robert Dillingham is. I think just because he is 6'10 because he does have that off-ball shooting I think that, that that's probably a better fit alongside DJ Wagner. DJ is such a great facilitator. Uh, both of them can facilitate the hell out of the ball. So uh, I I think that that might be a better fit if Kentucky's able to, you know, make that uh, make that push, but um definitely interesting uh, just kind of long-term trajectory of what Matas is going to be, um, every you know, guys that know basketball infinitely more than I do that have been watching these kids play since they were freaking six years old. Uh, they swear by Matas and say that he is, he is going to be next. Trust the process with him. Take, take that ride, take that roller coaster journey with him because it, it's going to result in a, in a thrilling ride at the end of the day. So, uh, I, I definitely am, I'm all aboard the, uh, Matas hype train. We've talked a lot about, you know, high potential guys and kind of guys that are more potential than production right now. Uh mostly Justin Edwards does not fit that billing. Justin is definitely a high floor guy, a guy that has really kind of solidified himself as a as a firm production guy uh, at at this level especially. He won uh Defensive MVP honors at the Session 2 in Indianapolis averaged 18.8 points, 4.5 rebounds, 3.0 steals, and 1.8 blocks per game. Uh, Second team all-event. Um just I mean, he's a, a do it all on both ends of the floor six seven hundred eighty hundred ninety ish pounds right now. I love his two- way ability. I think he's a he's a dog defensively, love his length, gets out in the passing lines very well, athletic can score in transition. uh jump shot is is definitely uh, more consistent and he's growing much more confident on that in that area. uh just kind of that long lefty versatile lefty that everybody loves. Uh, in, in this class, he I think he has kind of firmly cemented himself as a top five player in this class just because it's a weak class in general. Uh, and he has the production right now to match it like he he is a uh, all about pr- production at this level against the best, best talent and in competition in, in high school basketball. So uh, I, I think Tennessee is the pretty solid leader right now. And I think Kentucky and and Auburn are kind of duking it out for number two and number three for him. Um, I think there's time. I think Kentucky needs to ramp up its recruiting efforts. I think they might have gotten a little lackadaisical thinking they had that one locked up and he is not locked up. Uh, so I think that's one that, that if Kentucky really wants him to kind of be their go to wing pos- guy at that position, uh, I think they need to kind of upscale things and, and really uh, show that he is their top priority in the class at the, on that wing wing spot. But uh, I think, you know, all the hype has been Ron Holland and, and, you know, some other guys, high potential guys on the wing. But just in terms of who they are right now, I mean, I just uh, he, he, I'd be hard pressed to find a guy that I like more than Justin Edwards at that wing position.
1: Yeah, his defense, I think, is really what separates him. I think he's probably the best wing defender in this class. I don't think there's maybe much competition, but that kid is really, really – I think there's definitely more potential with his defense than his offense. But I think his offense is good and it's growing. I think he's really developed that jump shot, like you said, because I think it was last summer the kid couldn't really shoot anything at all, and now he's pretty efficient. Like, I I don't know what his numbers were, but I know he was was shooting pretty well – uh, or he has so far with the EYBL. So, uh, he looked, he was consistency was his thing. Like, you know, he was steady with his production. Uh, his team final squad isn't the greatest. Uh, Awful. Yeah. So they lost, they lost all their best players, you know, with Duran and, uh, whoever else they had. I mean, that squad was loaded for a little bit. Um, so it, him kind of being the go to guy was impressive to see because he handled it rather well. Um, but the defense is really, I think he he has the Cal capability, or you know what Cal's looking for on that end. Like that guy, like you said, he's a dog. He's not gonna, you know, like get on the floor and lick off food off the ground or anything. But that kid is good enough on defense that you know he's a he would be probably Kentucky's best defender from day one if he stepped on in, into that uh, into that situation. But offense, you know, maybe let him grow a little bit more, and we'll see if it's if it's really what it is. Uh, but I was kind. Of, I was impressed. You know, I don't. I don't know where I would rank him or not. He's probably a top ten guy. Like you said, right now we've got him at thirteen on the consensus. So uh, he's probably due a bump. And I think that jump shot coming on is really what's what's separating him from uh, some of, some of the other wings. And obviously the defense, like I said, that's really what makes him you know a pro potential type player. I think.
0: All right, coming down the home stretch, we got to wrap up uh, here shortly. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw, a guy that I will admit I have not been very high on. Uh, I was not super impressed with him his junior year. Uh, it was kind of weird because every time I got to see him in live settings or I watched film on him, I just came away super unimpressed. I thought he was kind of clunky, not it didn't run the floor very well. Just a it, you know, seven foot one two hundred and twenty ish pound guy that I just didn't think he moved well. I didn't think he scored well, great defensively, but just, you know, I, I just think, he was the best of an awful center class in, in that 23 group. So, you know, do you recruit him just for the sake of DJ Wagner because he their teammates? Do you recruit him because he's truly a top 20 player in the class and, and you know, somebody that you can anchor the front court? I, I just wasn't sold on him. I just I just will admit that I was not. I thought he was tremendous in Indianapolis. I thought he ran the floor extremely well, uh, much more fluid. He's growing, cons- you know, consistent and confident in the in with his post moves. His footwork is great. Uh, he's a guy that that he was the ultimate prove me wrong type guy. I was not a fan at all um, going into that event, but uh, up to 26 block shots through eight uh, eybl games. It's 3.1 per game. Shooting 67%, 66 percent from the field, 18 of 20 from the free throw line. I mean, look, he's he's getting there. I mean, and, and something that I think impressed me most out of everything, he was stepping out and knocking down jump shots from 16, 17 feet. That is a guy that shut me up. I was I was not all aboard the Aaron Bradshaw hype train. I was like, I don't know what I'm missing here. Aaron is good, he's a he's a hell of a player. You take him whether DJ Wagner comes or not. He's He is a guy that, that can be the focal point of your, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if, you know, he might be a better complimentary piece if you add a star at the four position or uh, if he's your backup center with, uh, you know, uh, whoever the best big is in the portal, whatever, however you want to go about doing it. I don't know if I want him being the guy down low. But he's definitely a piece. He's definitely a rotation big uh, that you know. There's there's a ton to work with, especially defensively. I, I thought he was he was tremendous in that area. Um, th- thanks for proving me wrong
1: because that that kid was uh, a hell of a player in Indy. Yeah, I was in the same boat with you at hoop hall. He really didn't uh, impress us too much, even playing alongside DJ. But and I was of the opinion at that time where it was like, you know, bring, if it gets DJ, you know, bring him on board. And then you know, we we both had kind of the same revelation in Indy where the the guy, you know, if you want to consider Bay fall center, you can, but I think Aaron Bradshaw is the best center in this class. And it's really not that close at this point. He's, you know, I guess his competition isn't great in that regard, but that kid is the, the best. One of the, my favorite parts about his game was that number. You said 18 for 20 from the free throw line. Like he's, I remember even talking to him too. He said a couple different times that he's trying to shoot more jumpers and go outside. And like, that's a part of his game. He's currently adding, so, if he can, and clearly he has the motion. And if you're a good free throw shooter, you know, you've got the mechanics clearly. So, he, he it'll translate if he can get out there a little bit more. He was kind of showing it a little bit. Um, but even in the game where DJ didn't play for his, you know, off court uh, activities that he was doing, Aaron uh, Bradshaw was still one of the better players on the floor. Um, he just he gobbles up rebounds. Um, he hits pretty much everything around the rim. Um, he's not, he's not like, giraffe like like a baby giraffe if you will for like Mm -hmm. normal seven footers like he he's been tall for a little bit you can tell so he knows how to move in his body um but he's a guy that i would absolutely take right now no matter what happens like if that kid says he wants to commit today i think you take him um he kind of has not nearly as athletic as a damian collins but kind of the same similar skill set just tack on four more inches um so that was his just overall I don't know what happened from January to whenever we saw him, uh, but it was a complete 180. And the kid is legitimately, you know, a, a guy that I think Kentucky should take. And I'm a big fan of his now.
0: Yeah. I mean, people I were talking to were swearing by him, saying, no, I, I don't know what you're seeing. Cause I was like, man, I, I think Uganda Kingsley, who's, you know, was playing in the Adidas circuit and, uh, you know, all these other guys that are kind of these up and coming players. I was like, man, uh, you can take Aaron Bradshaw. You can take. Uh, Isaiah Miranda, you know, some of these other guys that are just kind of the best of the worst in, in a very poor class in general bigs. I was like, man, I, there's gotta be something else out there. And, and you know, I, I was wrong. People were swearing by Aaron saying, man, no, no, make go watch him again and, and, you know, give him a chance and give him another chance. And, and he, uh, he absolutely proved me wrong. He had an eight block performance, mm-hmm. uh, in Indianapolis, which again, that that's, you know, just absurd. And Kentucky's had some elite shot blockers and he is certainly uh, fitting that billing as well. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye on Aaron Bradshaw. Let's round out with this guy, Milan Monchilevich. He is a team hero standout currently unranked. Well, depending on who you're looking at, uh, you know, kind of firmly four-star status kind of into the top 100 and some of the other recruiting sites. Um, as skilled as they come among uh, among Big Zach, he is uh you know six eight, six nine-ish, 190-ish pounds uh so far. Uh doesn't run very well, not laterally quick, but goodness gracious, this dude can score the piss out of the basketball. Just very uh very skilled, can score at all three levels. Kind of got some like Dirk Navitsky to him. He has this uh, uh step back, kind of turnaround fadeaway jump shot that one foot fadeaway jump shot that Dirk kind of patented and and made his specialty for years uh that's kind of his go-to specialty as well uh you know great three-point shooter uh you know really just really fundamentally sound as a scorer on that end and you know averaging 18.5 points per uh game in the EYBL circuit through eight games so a lot to like about him not overly athletic not quick um but the dude can out flat out score the basketball. I'm a big fan of his as well. If you're looking for, uh, you know, it's unfair to call him Kyle Wilcher because he's a tall, unathletic white scorer. But at the same time, you know, think think of that where, you know, he's going to be a little bit of liability defensively. But uh, there's there's a place on the floor for
1: a guy like that. So um, I, I'm I'm a fan of Milan's. Yeah, his his offense, if I have to make a weird comparison, what kind of gives me like Morris brother vibes. Marcus yeah. and Keith just kind of how they get to their shots and really like kind of surprisingly good three-point shooters, big guys already. Uh, and I think Milan will probably get even bigger. I don't think he's with he's 190 is what we've got him listed at. He's I think he's probably a little bit bigger than that, but uh, he's a guy I wasn't terribly impressed with. Honestly, I think I caught a bad game when I watched him though. Uh, so he's a guy I'm going to keep a very close eye on when we get to Louisville uh, in a few weeks to watch him again. But yeah. The scoring was definitely, you know, what stood out, obviously the guy, he can get off pretty much any shot. Uh, his team is terrible. I think as part of maybe some of the issue with, you know, when, when you're watching this guy, because he's just playing with even, not even Tyler hero's brother was playing. That guy was, he was, I think he was hurt or something. His younger brother yeah. Austin, I think is his name. Uh, so the team was just terrible. I don't know if they won any game. Uh, so, you know, eventually he, he was just, he's just taking bad shots and things like that. So Uh, He's a guy I want to see again. I think the offensive potential is there as a guy that can, you know, kind of score from all three areas of the floor as a forward. So he's definitely a guy that's going to have a lot of uh, a lot more attention moving forward uh, and he's a guy that I'll be paying more attention to going forward as well.
0: Yeah, um, I will, you know, point out that he is playing for, you know, team hero, which there is the Kentucky connection there. John Calipari was there watching and uh, the game that I saw Cal watching him play, he put up 26 points on Justin Edwards, who is seen as the best perimeter defender and, you know, best wing defender in that 23 class. So, uh, I mean, the dude's a, a bucket getter. That's just who he is. He's, you know, not going to wow you athletically. He's not going to wow you in terms of quickness or speed or anything like that. But uh, the dude can get get buckets. So an impressive weekend at UIBL, although I will make it clear that it is it is a a – poor class overall in the 17U group just across the board. It's just a, a really down year. 23 is not a great uh, recruiting class in general. It's kind of one of those top heavy, you gotta, you gotta hit the, uh, you know, hit your home runs. You gotta hit on DJ Wagner. You gotta get the, you know, the best of the positions if you're going, you know, you, you gotta get a guy like DJ Wagner. You gotta get a, a you know, Justin Edwards or a Matos or a Ron Holland, you know, you, you got to hit the home runs on the great fit uh, fits in, in this group. Uh, because if if you just kind of go best of the best or go for high potential guys, I mean, you, you could kind of get a island of misfit toys almost with, with just kind of how weird the class is in terms of some guys are kind of high floor guys, but low ceiling. Some guys are, you know, super low floor, but extremely high ceiling guys. So it just kind of creates for a crapshoot uh, in terms of what you're getting out of the class, but uh, there's there's some talent to work with there, and, and you know Kentucky's clearly in in solid position with uh, a, a solid group of them. So we'll see how things things
1: go. But uh, a very I want, to, fun I want to bring something up here. Uh, I don't know if you purposely skipped over him, but do we want to talk about JJ Taylor? Um, or is that uh, a lost cause at this point?
0: Um, I mean more so for time purposes i just don't think he's going to end up at kentucky i think uk watched maybe one game uh this this past weekend or the, this that weekend you know he's a impressive scorer great shooter for his size thinks he's a point guard but he's not a point guard um you know it, i he kind of plateaued a little bit early for my liking i think i liked him a lot more last summer than i do now I don't think he's grown enough for my liking uh, this this year, but he is still technically a five-star wing with a Kentucky offer.
1: So the very first yeah. one from that junior class. Yeah. It's so, great.
0: you know, it is what it is with, yeah.
1: with, in that case. I don't even think I paid much attention to him when we were up there either. He's not really a yeah. guy that's too much on our radar at this point.
0: Well, let's uh, go on and get out of here. And I, we we went a little long because we still have to add a, an Adidas segment to this as well. May may have to split this into two different shows because I know it'll be overwhelming to get a freaking two-hour show or hour and a half or whatever it would be. So, uh, it was a lot of fun though, Zach. I, I had a good time breaking down these kids, and and uh, we'll certainly do something similar whenever this uh, Louisville weekend rolls. We'll, we'll try to do this every live period, every, uh, you know, major EYBL, Adidas, whatever event we're at. We, we'll uh, make sure we break down these kids as uh, uh, we
1: typically do. Yeah, we have uh, hopefully some busy, busy plans ahead over the next – two, three-ish months, so we've got a few different destinations in mind that we uh, should hopefully be able to go scout a lot of these kids, and ideally we'll be able to scout a lot of them at the same time as opposed to the Nike and the Adidas split, so plenty of content coming.
0: Absolutely. Well, with that, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work?
1: Oh, I love this part. They can find me – well, where? I guess just KentuckySportsRadio.com, or you can go to my Twitter uh, at – hold on. What is it? It's uh, Z at Z Gagan KSR Gagan is the triple G's at or Jack, you know, that G E O G H E G A N. That's my Twitter. I'm on the internet as well. If you just type in my name. Well, you can find me on
0: Twitter as well. At Jack Pilgrim KSR, reach out to me via email at j Pilgrim at Kentucky sports With that, we'll be back next time for the jam packed to say podcast. We will see you
1: then.